Welcome to Mosaic, the EDC podcast. Mosaic is a place to explore pressing challenges in education, health, and economic opportunity with EDC staff around the world. How do you overcome persistent barriers to early education? That's the question facing Denise Clark-Reeves and Sarah Nagarasanka, who lead EDC's USAID-funded effort to improve education in Liberia. The program condenses six years of primary education into three, allowing learners to re-enter formal schooling in a shorter amount of time. In this podcast, the two discuss why an estimated 300,000 Liberian children do not attend school and what they are doing to get more children back into the classroom. So welcome to both of you. Uh, Can you each take a moment to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Denise Clark Reeves, the Chief of Party for the USAID Accelerated Quality Education Project in Liberia. I am Sarah Nogarasanka, Project Director for the same project. Thanks for being here. Great, it's good to be here. So much of your work in Liberia has focused on improving life opportunities for youth and young people. And I should clarify that uh, by youth, we're talking about um, people ages 15 to 35. Um, Your current work is in Liberia supporting children ages 8 to 15 who are out of school. Um, What are some of the challenges to education facing young people in Liberia, especially the students that you're working with right now? Well, I think one of the major challenges, of course, is access. So access to even a basic level of education. And I think once you go beyond basic, then the more challenging it becomes as well. There was a recent report done by UNICEF that estimates that the total amount of -of out-of-school children is about 300,000. And when you look at some of the reasons why they're out of school, it's because of parents not being able to afford fees, um, economic situations of parents. Within the current project, there has also been, of course, the effect of Ebola. Um, But the one thing that keeps coming back, and this has come up both in focus group meetings with learners as well as focus group meeting with parents, is just the inability to afford to pay for education. Mm-hmm. So even though education is free, technically it's free, there's still associated costs. There are school fees, uniform fees, book fees, PTA fees. And so by the time that adds up, because most parents are not employed or they're self-employed, then it becomes a deterrent. And in some cases, and in our cases, a lot of the children that we're working with, then they become too old for the grade that they're supposed to be in. And that's part of what um, we'll be, you know, we're working with is how do you help children and families um, re-enter a formal system or enter it for the first time right. um, at the age at the age that is appropriate for the grade they're going into, um, so that it doesn't become a further barrier, so that there's no stigma about you know how old they are in the class and that they're with their peers. So tell me more about the project. How, how exactly are you trying to get more of these children into, uh, into schools? Well, firstly, it's about creating an awareness with the communities where mm-hmm. we're working in terms of the importance of schooling. And I think, I think it's fair to say that most parents do want their children sure. to, to have, right. a, have a good level of education. But it's about making sure that the barriers that are normally present are removed. So, for example, one of the things that we make very clear about the um, accelerated learning program is that there are no school fees. We provide instructional materials. We provide the teachers. We train and provide the teachers. These are Ministry of Education teachers. We provide instructional materials, so learner workbooks as well as teacher guides that actually give the content of the core areas that we're teaching. And so when you look at it like that, there's really no 
reason why then mm -hmm. why a child shouldn't be able mm -hmm. to go to school mm -hmm. in the current project as well there is a particular emphasis on girls because traditionally girls are usually the ones that if a parent has to make a decision about where to spend money for education then they would prefer traditionally to spend spend it on boys and so also trying to get parents to understand the importance of girls' education. Mm -hmm. We do have the case as well where through early marriage or early pregnancies that girls also drop out even at the primary level. So also just creating that opportunity for them to re-enter and complete and hopefully transition over to the conventional school system mm -hmm. is something the project is working on. And then we have to also work with the Ministry of Education and the teachers, of course, to work on the environment of accelerated quality education and looking at how do we prepare both policies and practices and behaviors and understandings of what's important, what's needed for that to succeed, but um, even more importantly, how does that then allow these children to transition into the formal system. But also then working with the ministry staff at the national, county, district, and local level on them being as engaged as possible and ready to move it all forward, you know, and and have the systems and the policies in place that will support this longer term. Of course, the goal is that you never need an accelerated program again, right? That exactly. everyone will yes. be back in. Just the, the quantity of children, though, you know, will tell you that that's not going to be the case anytime soon. There's still a lot of need. And, you know, we work in six counties and even in, of the 15. Six or 15. And right. even in the six, we're not everywhere. We're in right now, um, as we enter year three of the project, we're in 200 sites. So that's 200 schools and communities. We may grow a little bit more than that, but there's a huge need beyond that. So have you had a chance to visit some of the schools where this work is taking place? Yes, we have. I think there's a lot of excitement. For a lot of these learners, they're happy to be back in school. They're excited to be back or in school. Or the first time in school, <laughs> yeah. Or the first time in school. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was interesting to see that based on last year's enrollment and this year's enrollment, even though we're working in an additional three counties, we saw a lot more uptake at the community level for wanting to have more learners um, enrolled. We have one school, on average, we estimate that a school will perhaps be able to offer three levels. So level one, which would be your equivalent to grades one and two, level two, your equivalent to grades three and four, and level three, your equivalent to grades five and six. And in one county, we actually had, in one school, I should say, we actually had 280 learners that were entering level one. And so that gives you a sense of what the demand mm -hmm. is like. And the further rural we go, the more you see this demand being increased. So Denise, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about some of the schools you're working with. Uh, what sort of resources do they have? A lot of the schools are typical schools, I guess, that you would find not just in Liberia, but in other parts of Africa and even Jamaica, where I'm from. So sometimes a bit under, well, oftentimes a bit under-resourced. That's also a part of what we're trying to address through the project. There's a bit of rehabilitation that we'll do as well, not in terms of school construction per se, but improving the classroom environment. So whether or not it's fixing a leaky roof or making sure that the wash facilities in terms of gender-friendly bathrooms can be rehabilitated or possibly built, that's something that we're looking at as well, that we're working on within this project as well. 
The other side of it, too, is, you know, as Denise started, about building the awareness of, right. of the opportunity and the options. There is a kind of an undercurrent of community engagement and real parent engagement um, throughout the project. And so when we look at whether it's school rehabilitation mm-hmm. or enrollment, recruitment of students, or even in some cases, um, community report cards on their schools themselves. Um, You know, we look to working closely with the PTAs, the parent-teacher associations, which typically don't include parents of -of out-of-school children. So, you know, that's been a component that we've had to add with the schools and have found a lot of success in also including other traditional leaders, whether they have children in the school or in the accelerated learning program with us or not to have that parent engagement, and we know it'll be part of what sustains things beyond us. So tell me a little bit about why this work is important to you. When you meet someone whose life you have been able to influence and change positively, that gives you the reason for being. I'm not sure how else to say it, Um, but I remember when we had the project closeout for the previous project, Advancing Youth, and We deliberately made it about the voices of the beneficiaries and gave a lot of opportunities for youth rather than project staff to be able to reflect on what the program has meant to them. And I came away feeling so proud, pleased, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because then you realize that you've really made a difference, whether or not it's how that person thinks about themselves in terms of self-empowerment, whether or not it's a skill that they have learned, whether or not you've even been able to get that older youth to understand why it's important to send their children to school. And I mean, that's one of the things that we're seeing now, even within this project. It's it's the old AYP learners saying, okay, but I must send my child to school. They must go to um, AQE. And it's when you realize that it does make a difference. That's what keeps mm-hmm. me motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that for me, it's it's kind of this universal theme, right? Like, you know, peop- people want things that are better for themselves. They want things that are better for their children. Yeah. Just like we all, you know, I want things that are better for my children. And just knowing that, you know, together with teachers, Liberian teachers, parents, and community, and the great, you know, staff we have too. I mean, it's about 70, 80, 80 yeah. um, you know, staff who, you know, are doing something every day that really contributes to the improvement of, of education in Liberia, the opportunities and options for children, and that, um, you know, can move people forward. Well, Denise and Sarah, I really wanted to thank you for taking the time today to talk to me about your work in Liberia. Best of luck going forward. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about EDC's Accelerated Quality Education Project in Liberia, or to learn more about EDC's work in international education, visit us online at edc.org.